Welcome to Kitchen Table Conversations, a series of short and shareable conversation starters for those of us who have or love and support people with a complicated and beautiful brain. Here's your host, Angela Geddes. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Kitchen Table Conversations. So actually, this might be the first time you're tuning in, and for that, I'm very grateful. And for those of you who are coming back, I just so appreciate the support, so appreciate uh, the interest and your commitment to bringing home some of these really important conversations back to your kitchen tables and within your circle, because we do know that that's where the most meaningful learning takes place. And um, so once again... um, Thanks so much. And if you do have any, um, any suggestions or any topic areas that you'd like me to cover, I really appreciate hearing from you and do incorporate um, the feedback into these sessions. So I'm going to focus today a little bit around um, some of my most recent experiences. So I have been in this social work field for quite some time and really honored to, uh, to do the work and to walk alongside so many uh, really you know, creative and compassionate and resilient individuals and family members. And we're just seeing that the need for mental health services is not decreasing. Um, And so the last little while I've been spending a lot of time trying to you know, raise awareness and build capacity and skills. I'm even developing some training myself to to try to help increase skills and capacity and competence and also confidence in in the ability for frontline practitioners to to be, you know, able to kind of identify and screen and put people on the path of, of really helpful and relevant support. So we've been busy. I've just been kind of reflecting. And in the last month, I've attended two, three conferences and uh, participated in each one in, again, in our effort to kind of build skills. And I'm really honored that I am able to share what I've learned over the last 25 to 30 years. But a little reflection, I just came back from the Children's Mental Health Ontario Conference. So prior to that, in October, it was the London Region FASD Conference, um, where I was able to host a panel of of lived experience, which was amazing to hear about, you know, how prenatal alcohol exposures um, have impacted the lives of individuals and families. um, And, you know, the benefits of uh, early identification, the benefits of assessment, and the benefits of a system that is more inclusive of their very complex and unique needs. So that was lovely. We just came back from Saskatchewan a couple of weeks ago, went went there for the Canadian uh, FASD Research Network's uh, conference, which again was fabulous and and really, um, you know, a lot of important research and clinical practice um, you know, demonstrating really positive outcomes, which is great. And we had over 600 people participate, which clearly indicates that there's, you know, much more interest and awareness and, um, and uh, expertise in the field of fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. So that was lovely. And then I decided to um, apply to present at the Children's Mental Health Ontario Conference. And again, part of this, you know, the kitchen table conversations is to broaden our audience and to increase awareness and not to continue to speak to people who already understand this. So although I really appreciated being in Saskatoon, um, you know, everybody there knows a lot about uh, the impact of prenatal exposures. Unfortunately, 
um, what I knew to be true about our children's mental health system was really confirmed and validated when I went to the Children's Mental Health Ontario Conference. And keeping in mind that children's mental health is funded through our Ministry of Health, And, you know, developmental disabilities are funded through a different ministry altogether, which is the Ministry of Children, Community and Social Services. So right there, there's a bit of a a blip. Like I've always said, fetal alcohol spectrum disorder is misunderstood. And it's also, it doesn't fit neatly anywhere because it is a developmental disability and often includes mental health conditions. So, but the treatment has to be a little bit different, right? So, so anyways, what my point is, um, when we're talking about children's mental health, we don't include prenatal exposures. We focus on adverse childhood experiences, which is obviously really, really important. Uh, there was a big push on infant mental health, and and that was actually the the only um, discussion that I participated in were fetal alcohol spectrum disorder or the effects of prenatal alcohol or prenatal exposures was even discussed um, in terms of infant mental health. So infant and children mental health. So we know that 25% of all children entering the school system are at risk of behavioral and mental health issues. Those statistics come from 2002. We don't have any updated statistics, but it was clearly evident that in in all of the research that's been done recently in all of the talks that, you know, agencies are seeing a higher need for uh, children and youth and mental health issues. So those numbers are not going down. We have to ask ourselves, why are these numbers not going down with the investments in things like early years programs, early on centers, screening tools and, and agencies that are supposed to be involved in um, some of this early intervention and prevention initiatives. Um, but clearly they're not working if our needs are increasing. So we do have to go back to social determinants of health and we have to address things like Poverty. So years ago, when I worked at the community health center in down here in West Lorne, I uh, took some training focusing on poverty issues, and uh, it was called Bridges Out of Poverty. And at that time, I learned that when families are really struggling financially, people's IQs can actually decrease by up to 10 points while they're in this chronic level of stress and, you know, just trying to figure out how they're going to get their basic needs met for not only themselves, but for their children. So none of us can afford to lose 10 points, you know, but that does impact our ability to plan and to stay organized and to stay focused and to concentrate when we're feeling, you know, that kind of stress every single day. So, Poverty is a big thing. Housing insecurity is obviously a big thing. Education and lack thereof and employment issues are obviously huge indicators um, for ongoing mental health and and family disruption and, and problems. So housing and food insecurity and those kinds of basic needs clearly have to be better addressed by our society. And that's not getting easier. I mean, you know, our rent rates and our people who are trying to purchase homes and that kind of thing. I mean, you know, we just know we're in a bit of a housing crisis without question. But then we also have to talk about 
you know, intergenerational trauma and mental health conditions that have gone untreated and that result in so many cases with people self-medicating. And so we see the impact of addictions and mental health, but what we're not seeing is that lots of times the predisposition to addiction is formed due to prenatal alcohol exposures that are often compounded by family disruption and trauma. So, you know, again, I was, I'm at this conference and nobody's talking about the white elephant in the room, which are prenatal exposures of all kinds, and in particular, alcohol. But we're not, we're not talking about the most common legal substance that really does significant damage to, um, to growing babies. So there are lifelong effects, and we are seeing this on a regular basis. So again, you know, I went to this conference with the intention to try to draw um, attention to something that we as a system really can make a difference um, with in the next little bit. What I find really fascinating is that, um, you know, typical parenting strategies work, typical education strategies work, typical um, mental health treatments work with neurotypical people. The problems that we're experiencing go far beyond parent-child relationship issues. Um, you know, it's when there's really puzzling and complicated behaviors that take place that, that, that stump people, right? And they don't, we don't know how to handle it. And we don't know how to parent um, some of these kids that are, that are really, really challenging. And so, you know, a lot of the focus on Children's Mental Health Ontario is now including autism. And that's due to parental advocacy and political will which I'm so happy about, but I'm finding it so fascinating that there's so much emphasis on autism treatment and supports and ADHD treatment and supports, and both of which can be linked, many cases, to prenatal e exposures. So, and, and, and they're often misdiagnosed or a part of um, the overall picture that has resulted from fetal or from prenatal alcohol exposure. So lots of times as the clinic coordinator in London here, um, we saw kids who were diagnosed with autism who also had FASD or maybe it was FASD, but it was misdiagnosed, but we never took that diagnosis away because that's where the services and the financial support is found within. So had a conversation with uh, a presenting group where the focus again was on these complex behavioral problems and linking towards, um, you know, again, ADHD and autism. And so I had a question around, you know, given that the prevalence rates of fetal alcohol spectrum disorder are more than autism spectrum disorder, cerebral palsy, Tourette syndrome and Down syndrome combined, you know, what are we doing in order to be more inclusive of this condition and to be able to screen and identify in a good way? I was immediately shut down. So had a conversation earlier with somebody with lived experience with FASD, uh, and I was explaining how you know, even as a service provider, trying to break into these very rigid systems, I feel like I'm shut down on a regular basis. I feel like people don't want to hear what it is I have to say, which 
is so puzzling to me because, again, this is something that we all can bring back to our kitchen tables and contribute to healthier pregnancies and prevent some of these lifelong conditions that we're seeing so rampant. And, and alcohol is directly related to mental health conditions as well. Not everybody exposed to alcohol is going to end up with fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, and not everybody is going to be affected um, at all. But um, even small amounts make a big difference, and they are directly linked to children's and, and adults' mental health. And when children experience adverse uh, circumstances um, as little people, um, you know, if they're struggling with behavior, their risk of mental health conditions as adults is like astronomically higher. So these are all really, really important um, conversations. And, you know, those early years when our kids are struggling or difficult or colicky or not sleeping well and not eating well and, and maybe a little wee bit slower to meet some of their developmental um, circumstances, a lot of times they find themselves very unhappy. And when they're unhappy, they experience very difficult situations more frequently than the average child should. And that does impact mental health. And those wires and connections are interfered with at such a young age. So it's really important to get accurate assessments, to really be honest about prenatal exposures if there have been some, and to really work immediately on early interventions and ways to kind of reconnect some of those neural pathways and neuroplasticity is a real thing. So we can improve outcomes for individuals whose development has been interfered with due to developmental trauma or exposures or, or external traumas and family disruptions and those kinds of things. We can really make a huge difference. So again, bring this home to your kitchen table, please. I know I've sort of rambled on about a lot of things today, but I'm really energized after attending this conference and um, just seeing again, the urgent need to do things differently. And to quote Maya Angelou once again, when we know better, we can do better. With many things, Angela. <laughs>